Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Words, Women, and Wisdom radio show, streaming live from BBS in California, syndicating to over 100 stations globally. I'm delighted today to be joined by my guest, Stephanie Dumont. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So this is an exciting day. I will share why in just a moment. Also, if you're dialing in for the first time or listening to this show or even watching the replay later, this is um, a show that is really about women. It's the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show featuring women typically who have risen from tragedy to triumph and are now out in the world using their gifts, their unique abilities to come together to do impactful work either locally or globally. Now, in Stephanie's case, I'm going to read her her official bio in just a moment. But if you haven't been on this show before, who am I? What am I all about? Why do we do this show? So my background as an executive coach for the past 12 years, leveraging on 20 years of senior HR roles, helping hundreds of people throughout the years, either with their careers or more recently, working with women entrepreneurs who are seeking to flourish. I love helping women expand, step into their greatest potential, and to be reaching for those things that they never thought possible by sharing tips, information, what I've noticed in the past 30 years of successful business as I've worked with startups, eight different startups that have launched and have been working as an international consultant and also working globally in four different countries. So all of this expertise comes together interviewing women, women entrepreneurs in particular, who are themselves making a difference. So today I'm with Stephanie. This is a show that I titled Irrepressible Optimism, because when I read her bio, you're going to understand exactly why I invited Stephanie to join me today. As an executive and transformational coach herself for the past 20 years, She's helped her clients' vision become their daily lives, from gold medal-winning Olympic athletes to philanthropy-driven CEOs, physicians, award-winning artists, cutting-edge professionals, and what she calls philanthropeneurs. (laughs) That's a bit of a mouthful. Um, Stephanie's coached pretty much all of them. She became recently uh, certified as well in heart math, so as a certified trainer. So that's um, adding some additional tools and techniques to help clients change their physiology in less than two minutes. I said two minutes. Now, I want to hear about that a little bit more later as well. She's a catalyst who leads individuals and teams in professional and personal transformation and heart-driven leadership. So she co-founded Conscious and Carefree, a learning forum, a community dedicated to joy, contribution, and meaningful productivity. You want to grab a pen as we go through this interview, because I think there's going to be lots of insights, and we're going to share links how you can also stay in touch with Stephanie. And towards the end, we'll also be offering a couple of free gifts, so make sure you have your pen handy. Now, herself, she interviews thought leaders, facilitates socialpreneur masterminds, contributes articles to the media, and generally is sharing her principles uh, to how to live a, a, what, what she calls a good life. I'm going to say a great life because really, you know, good is okay. Great is even better. 
So she does appear on various, appear on various TV shows, uh, The Awake Network TV, 52 Weeks to Living Conscious and Carefree, and is obviously a guest today on the podcast because something exciting is happening today. We are looking at Stephanie's book launch. So she's launching her first volume, Yes, First, Taking Action in Uncertain Times, which is going to be available on Amazon today so we'll share more about that a little bit later so stephanie i'm delighted that you could join me welcome oh my gosh yvonne thank you for that beautiful introduction and uh, you and i have so much in common i realize Mm -hmm. as i hear you share what your specialties are uh, i think we're going to find a lot of threads that we have that we share we do well passionate about books in particular yes um my 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 book hit bestseller overnight i'm Crossing my fingers that yours does too. Uh, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is is 40 different words and word concepts to help women elevate their language. So women can have more powerful language, not powerful in case of creating resistance, powerful because it's the effective use of silence. It's the use of powerful statements and questions, open-ended questions, and yeah. stating how you're actually getting your getting your evidence, your value shared in ways that don't feel like bragging. They're simply stating facts. So have to, having interviewed and hired about 6,000 people in my career and then coaching for 12 years, I've asked a lot of questions, and that's the essence of what's in the book, how women can ask those questions too and have more powerful results. Enough about my book, though. This is about what's coming up for you. So I was so intrigued when I read the backstory. Um, You had an interesting childhood growing up. So why don't we start there just to put things in context? How did your early life impact who you are today? Well, uh, my early life, it wasn't, um, it was great and it wasn't always easy mm-hmm. uh, my my parents went through a pretty challenging divorce when I was a, a youngster um, I think my father was uh, had moved out of the house when I was about eight years old mm-hmm. and then uh, at about the age of 10 they were on the verge of getting remarried so he moved back in and then it felt a week before the wedding it fell apart and so I feel like uh, I kind of went through a tragic divorce twice hmm. as a young person. Right. Um, but uh, my dad moved out. My mom worked a couple of jobs. Um, she wanted us to stay in our house and have stability. And so at a very young age, I, I'm extremely ambitious. And uh, I had an older brother, about four years older than me. And he started um, preparing newspapers for a newspaper company And then he kind of subcontracted some of the work to me. So at about the age of 10, I started working and earning money. Right. And then I just loved it. I loved having my own money and being able to do whatever I was going to do. And so that turned, uh, that just kept going for me. I started like cleaning people's houses and washing their cars and doing all these things. But about the age of 13, things really started to shift for me. I had some pivotal events that occurred at 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first ones was my mentor, um, Halise Sparky Bridges. 
Lovely. Love Sparky. Shout out to Sparky. She's my surrogate mom. She's my mentor today. We're going to talk about that later because yeah. miracles do happen because she came back into my life. Yes. But um, when I was 13, she came to my junior high school and she called me up on stage and she gave me this absolutely outstanding blue ribbon that said, uh, who I am makes a difference. Thank you for showing the ribbon. I was like, I don't have it in front of me. And she, she was the first person to tell me that I mattered. Mm. And she acknowledged me for just being who I was. Because I think what happened to me as a young person is I started to associate my value with work and earning money. Right. So I think I had old beliefs, like in order to be loved, I had to be earning, I had to be working. And a lot of people have those beliefs and actually they're baselines. They're not even aware of them. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, at 13 years old, that happened. And then also my mom was selling music for a very famous music company. And I went to a performance one night, they were doing this huge gala at SeaWorld in San Diego. And before that, I was singing whenever I was around friends and my friends would like force me to sing for a sleepover. And long story short, at the gala that night, the leader of the orchestra came to me and she said, I heard you could sing. And I said, yeah, I can. So she said, would you like to come up on stage and perform a song? And I said, sure. So I went up on stage. I sang, blew everyone's mind including all the members of the band. And so the leader said, could you sing another song? I said, sure. I sang a second song. Again, huge hit. Uh, Several weeks later, they approached me and my mom and asked if I wanted to come on the road and do backup with the orchestra. Oh, wow. I started performing. I started doing lead vocals and performing every single weekend. We did between one and two gigs, everywhere from like, all over Los Angeles, all over San Diego, Palm Springs, Las Vegas. So every weekend I was getting in a motorhome or a musician's car and I was going to perform. Mm -hmm. So what's unique about that is I believe that at the age of 13, I started living an adult's life, right? I was a teen, but I was, I was on stage in front of thousands of people all the time and I was leading and I was leading people in the audience and events. And so that really shaped me. I gained this immense confidence at a very young age. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, a, I'm a Leo. It's part of my nature. So I, I feel comfortable in front of people and crowds. Right. But it really changed me. And so, yeah, at the age of 13, um, I just... I entered this adult world. Mm. And so uh, one of the other formative things that happened to me at 13 was I entered into a program. My mom's company put me in a program called Psy. Right. Have you heard of Psy? People synergistically involved. Well, when you, when you shared about it, then I heard about it. So yeah. So some more. So this was just, this was a, uh, it was like a very, very high level program in regards to, it taught me that I had skills and I learned tools and techniques about uh, accessing higher consciousness, problem solving. It was solution driven. 
uh, I learned about my own intuition and how powerful I was as a young person. And they also did some programming in regards to our mindset, how we think, uh, the language that we use. So I learned all of these just, you know, tools and techniques that sometimes people go through their whole life and they never learn. And again, I was a 13 year old in a big giant auditorium of adults. Yep. I don't know how I, I got this, but that planted seeds in me that by about the age of 15, uh, somebody would say, who, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, oh, self-esteem, motivation, and communication. Excellent. I love it when I hear stories where people find their purpose and their passion early on. Yeah. And I, I found mine, but I wasn't able to articulate it early mm. on. So when you talk about your parents and the influence they had on you, for me, it was my mom who was my first, what I now call unmentor. So my dad came back from World War II, had a bullet in Dunkirk and came back with PTSD. And of course, hundreds of thousands of men just were not treated. And it showed up as him being a very angry man. And he took it out on my mom, who was a, before they got married, a professional working woman, making her own money, married late in life. I think, you know, 33 was sort of old, you know, on the shelf (laughs) concerns. And obviously her biological clock was ticking too. So she married my dad and ended up having such a hard time with him and his anger. She did miscarry before she had my sister. And then um, we were three years apart. So by the time I was born, she was actually quite, um, she was 42. So we didn't have that same strong connection because we were so far apart in age but also because he literally drained the dignity right out of her with his anger, his constant criticism of her abilities. And then he took the car keys and uh, took away her freedom. He you know, really took her voice, literally took her voice. And that was what I watched growing up. And I swore that I was never going to be in that spot. And then he turned on me when I was 11 as well, um, going into just going into high school and an event where I failed an exam I flunked it by two marks and he opened up the the envelope all excited and then his eyes went black and he just literally screamed at me you failed you will never ever be successful in life and he stormed out and shredded the letter so sorry I'm like (laughs) I mean it, it had the same effect on me too where I you know part of my uh early teens I lost my voice and and I wasn't speaking up in high school and um, and then you know, found that later on in life because I had put a shield up to protect myself from his angry words. And I ended up hiding behind that shield until I was about 45, Stephanie, and then finally realizing that I was keeping myself small behind the shield as well as keeping other people out. And it was time for something different. So while I'd had a very successful career during that time, it... Um, it did impact me. And that was when I really stepped into my power of using language and communications as the focus for the work that I do to help other women never get in that spot where they can't feel like they can speak up and articulate what they want and ask for what they want and get it. So that's the essence of the work I do today. So, so interesting how our paths shape us, isn't it? And we, we do share similar backgrounds. I, I love the term you used, unmentor. Yeah. I think my parents went through uh, 
tremendous difficulty and uh, you and I share similar pasts. Um, I, I think one of the things that's helped me be very successful today is that I, because of my father's power and the way he expressed himself to me, uh, I don't have a lot of fear. I, I'm not afraid of uh, powerful men or situations or, you know, a lot of times um, people don't necessarily know if they're worthy enough for certain things or they're, they're afraid. We, most people walk around with baselines of fear that they're not even aware of mm -hmm. unless they've done some kind of, of work from their young adult life. Yep. And so I, I thank my father for, I guess, if I were to say thank you for some of the difficulty I experienced having him as a dad, it would be that I became incredibly courageous mm -hmm. and that I was just, I had no fear of anyone or anything. Um, and, and actually to this day, I have been able to coach one of my, one of my greatest clients was an Olympian. Mm -hmm. And he actually came to me because his staff, he had a small team of experts at his company and his company was flourishing. And the staff came to him and said that if he didn't get some kind of coaching or assistance and kind of learn to corral himself, that they were all going to leave. Yeah. Emotional well, intelligence for leaders is a huge topic. Yeah. Yeah, so we worked together for eight years, several times a week. And again, he was one of the most powerful, one of the brightest, one of the wealthiest man to this day that I've ever known. Mm -hmm. And either I never could have worked with him had I not been raised by a man like my father, because he was intimidating, but he did wasn't not to me. Yeah, so, but he was intimidating. So um, you know, you can always look at, and, and I'm, I, like you said, what did you say about the title of the show? Oh, I called it uh, irrepre uh, Irrepressible Optimism. Irrepressible Optimism. So yeah. I have been accused of uh, like Pollyanna-ism throughout right. my life. I mean, even my former husband, before we were divorced, he, but one of the last things he said to me is he said, Stephanie, you're on a totally different plane. And I said, thank you. I'm so <laughs> grateful. And, and that is the best gift that you could give me is to understand. Yes, I am on a totally different plane. And that plane is way well, up here. I think, I'm not down here. I think that, that because of that ability, we're, you know, we've both been naturally drawn to coaching. Yeah. Obviously, if we have that belief, and it's you know hardcore belief that anything is possible, transformation and change is possible. Oh, First yeah. step, awareness, right? If you don't realize what the impact is of what you're current currently doing or your current behavior or how you're interacting with people, then yeah. there will be no change, right? If there is no change, there is no change. Exactly. So awareness, first point. And then once we have that belief. Um, the only trick, of course, in coaching is we can't want it more than the person themselves wants it. Exactly. So how do we hold space for that person to themselves be, you know, nurtured along, pulled along, depends on, you know, the speed they want to go and how um, our programs work. But for me, it's more about nurturing, gentle yes. nurturing to say, OK, you can do this. And if you if you approach it this way and this way. You know, you've got some options, which one's going to work for you. So they're making the decision 
However, they're being guided and obviously, you know, best practices I can speak to from the past 30 years of business and I say eight startups, et cetera, corporate yes. entrepreneur, et cetera. But it is, it's so interesting how those early life things flavor us and what we bring to our clients. I too was an entrepreneur early at six <laughs> when the lady down the road ended up having a, a broken ankle. Um, and I used to see her elderly lady walking her little chihuahuas every day past my house to go to the park. And then she stopped going past and it's like, oh, <laughs> I hope nothing's happened to her. So I knocked on her door and she came with the plaster on her ankle. And I said, oh, you know, your poor dogs, they're not getting out. Would you like me to walk them for you? How much would you charge? She said, (laughs) my first gig. I said, sixpence. (laughs) I love it. She said, great, let's start. When can you, uh, when can you do it? I said, well, I could start like now. And so that was my first gig that fell in my lap. And after that, same thing as you experienced, once you get sort of bitten by the bug of earning your own money, pocket money that you get from your parents is like this. And your ability to earn your own is so much bigger that it carried me on into, um, you know, doing a paper route at 11, doing a store role at at 12 by 13. I was the assistant manager, (laughs) et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So those early those early experiences where our life is expanded, you know, yours went on the academic track, mine went on the experiential track. And I did not want to go back to school because I'd had such a bad experience where I was so shy because of what my dad's criticisms included that I didn't speak up. And people thought I was a bit of a snob because I wasn't interacting with people. And I was just like shy, stepping back. And it wasn't that I didn't want to interact with people. So I had a bit of a different, you know, uh, early early adulthood as you did. But I love what you're now bringing together with your experiences stepping into heart math. And there's obviously some interesting things that have compelled you to writing your book. So Yes. yes, first, it's called Taking Action in Uncertain Times. What compelled you to to write that? Well. Yes, first is somewhat of an ode to my life, I would say. Um, I guess part of my optimism led me to, I I would, I was always being, so so there's a quote, um, my life is a performance of which I was never given a chance to rehearse. Mm. And that's been a theme for my life. It seems that when opportunity has come and knocked on my door, it's always been about three sizes too big. <laughs> and and I, I, I always say to, or somebody um, like throwing me into the deep end and mm-hmm. me and then saying, okay, learn how to swim. Right. And so it's always been me somehow figuring it out in real time. Mm-hmm. What's happening, what needs to be done. And then also learning that it's okay, because I, I feel like in this book, um, we've just come through an extremely difficult time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's my observation that the way we've done things in the past aren't really working anymore. Nope. 
<laughs> when Look at magic wand. Even... My wand used to work, Marianne Williamson says. So yeah. the way we've done things in the past is not working anymore. I don't care who is saying that. It's just everything's changed. So that's part of this too. And then who we've been. So who we were two years ago is so different than who we are today. Yes. For me, even who I was two months ago is very, very different than who I am today. Mm -hmm. And again, this is something that no one can deny. And so we are all in a place, you know, my daughter is in college. She just went to, uh, she's in her freshman year. And she just contacted me this week. And she said, you know, mom, I'm really still keep finding myself in this place of, of not knowing who I am and wondering who I am. And, and I just said, my darling, all of us are in this place. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, I was talking to Sparky yesterday, uh, my mentor yesterday. And even with this, my, the launch of my new book that's happening, I am becoming something I've never been before. Of course. And so I don't know what that means yet. I don't know what that is. Again, it's something three sizes too big for me. And I'm sitting here and I'm putting it on and I'm diving in the deep end and I'm wearing so many new hats mm -hmm. and I'm doing all these things I've never done before. Yep. And so this is what it's about. So my book is a coaching guidebook series. I actually wrote a big book, 52 Weeks to Becoming Conscious and Carefree is done. Mm-hmm. It was taking too long, right? And it was too arduous. It was big. And uh, I keep hearing from my mentors and from all the people that I know that are experts in this field. And they say that we can only really take in a certain amount of information at a time mm -hmm. and actually put it to use and yep. apply it. So I took my big book and I broke it down into increments, into volumes. Right. So this book only has a, a certain number of chapters, a small number of chapters. And while a book is not a substitute for a coach like you and I, mm -hmm. or a mastermind group that somebody participates on a regular basis, right. uh, it's, it's meant to bring similar results. Yes. And so I take people through a series of five or six principles that I have learned that are absolutely essential to living a great life, mm -hmm. to living a conscious and carefree life. Yes. And at the end of each chapter, I ask a certain number of questions, a few questions. I help extract my reader's genius. And then I help them to put them into action and help them to apply that genius. And yep. so this is like when I can't be with my clients or I can't be with people, I'm hoping to be able to touch people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm also part of my vision for this book is having it be a book club book, right? Where, you know, usually people are reading novels and they're discussing things that may not apply to them. They, you know, fantasy. And so this is my concept is about uh, us all taking interest in transformation mm -hmm. and then allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and have the experience of doing it together. Yeah. Well, book, book clubs, um, Actually, I, I had brought forward my book as the first of my book club series, and it worked really well because obviously a lot of the people that were coming to the event were already purchasers and had read through the book already. 
Um, my book is um, eight chapters, and oh, with the last one being um, when no words are even required. So the first chapter is all about language and, you know, 40 different words and word concepts mm. with action items at the end of every word. So help embed the learning and, you know, move the needle with neuroplasticity. And the last chapter is about things like, you know, how do you show up so that you've got your seat at the table and you're not the one that people are asking to bring coffee because your air of authority is so clear that they know right away who's leading the meeting right. and how you articulate that, how you use silence more powerfully, um, you know, how you make decisions. A lot of it is nothing to do with language, but it's tips and things I've picked up over the past 30 years in business um, that have worked really well for my clients. I love the fact that Sparky is coming full circle. So I was introduced to the concept of, you know, who I am makes a difference through my coach, Susie, Susie Carter, and met Halise. And I love this concept because, you know, when I first got connected with her, I think she had hundreds of thousands, but now it's a much bigger group that she's impacting globally. And this, this amazing little blue ribbon might seem like a small thing, but it has saved so many people, so many people and their lives because they feel heard and they feel valued and she has a very unique way we'll have to do that in another another conversation there's a very unique way there's a whole ceremony around how you give someone a blue ribbon so it really is special you don't just sort of throw it at them um so you actually I'm, are talking about it it's powerful i want to tell you also you know sometimes we go through life and we wonder if we're in the right place or not and that mm -hmm. happens occasionally and so I told you in the beginning how Sparky came to my junior high school, right? right. 1984, what, 1983. And uh, about four or five years ago, I was working with uh, a wonderful woman, Amanda Marie Masters, who has the Awake TV network. I had a show on her network. And she mm -hmm. and I were doing business together. And we had a lunch meeting and she said, um, you know what, before we get started, I have something that I want to give you. And I was like, oh, okay. So she turned around, she reached inside her purse and she pulled out the blue ribbon mm -hmm. and I started shaking and I started crying. It was kind of like an episode of this is your life. <laughs> yes. It was so bizarre. I was looking around. I go, what's going on? She goes, I, I mean, I, it was like a twilight zone moment. Yep. And I said, what's going on? And she said, do you know what this is? And I said, yes, I know what this is. And I, I said, is it her? And she said, it's Sparky. And I said, who is Sparky? Is it Halise? She goes, Halise Bridges. And I said, yes. Yeah. She goes, yes, it's her. I go, is she alive? She says, yes. And I mean, I was just crying and shaking. And I said, I have to see her. I, I, I have to meet her. And within weeks, I walked into Amanda's birthday party. And she was sitting at the table. I recognized her. Yeah. I walked over to her. I took her hands. I didn't even say anything. I sat down. And I just said, boy, do I have a story for you. Yeah. And after, then we cried together and we hugged and both of us were writing our books. And she said, I think we have a lot to teach each other. And I said, me too. Mm -hmm. And we started, you know, every two weeks we meet together. We walk on the beach together. We do like a download. Yeah. We have breakfast. And um, again, life is magical when we are, when we're in a place of receiving and yeah. we're in present time. We get messages and we get hits all day long. 
And that's something else I really wanted to talk about today, how mm-hmm. important it is that we're, you know, in that receiving mode and how we do that. Yep. Well, we, we each have our different ways of doing it. Um, I am a student with you know, Jennifer Huff. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of work as far as the physics <laughs> that goes behind, you know, what many people think of only as, you know, law of attraction. There's a lot more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the, the daily gratitude, daily ritual that I have of, you know, doing my own grounding first, you know, that's yes. part of how I, how I wrote my book. And, and it was almost like a download coming through me, you know, yes. to be up at five, to be doing my uh, gratitudes, my journaling, my um, polysync recordings, visualizations doing that piece for the first 30 minutes and then writing for an hour while all of my you know my house was sleeping um got the got the book written in nine months I think yours took a lot uh, well you've have had the whole segment um and the bigger book but it um it was almost like the words that needed to be in there just flowed through me no writer's block because it was divinely gifted and so I can claim myself as the author, but really, I'm, I think I'm the host. And when we look at it like that, life opens up in a whole new way, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, I had a lot of mentors along the way that taught me this. Um, but just really in the last few years, I, I kind of made a commitment to myself because I'm a giver. I've always been an over giver. Mm-hmm you know, giving everything away that I have, because I just want everybody to be successful. And I want everybody to be happy. Right. I really just uh, in the last couple of years, I I belong to a goddess community. And the goddess community, I actually was recruited into fascinatingly enough, in 2011, uh, about eight months before my mother passed away. Mm hmm. I, I don't believe in coincidence. And this is, was another one of those examples where I literally had this community of heavenly wise souls that right. took me in and yeah. became my family and then helped me through this process. And together we do very deep inner work. Mm-hmm. So if one of us has an opportunity coming up or has a great challenge we would just declare uh, an event and and invite people to come on that topic. And we would create a workshop around it. Mm-hmm. And so this has also been one of the greatest gifts of my life because uh, it, it allowed me to be able to step into things and to experience things and to have conversations about opportunities and possibilities and even fears. Like Mm -hmm. I've been in rooms working with people who have had tremendous fears that they were working through. And then by spending that time in this deep place of, you know, reflection and conversation and expanding of what if, what if this happened? What if it was this way instead of, you know, what people fear, which, you know, most of the time never happens, Mm -hmm. but it's that's been an enormous gift for me too is being in a circle of people that right. have a certain belief system and that are super powerful and super successful a yeah. dear friend of mine who's in the music industry who's reached the highest level possible that one can reach um has been able to guide me you know when i've come across these bridges 
that we cross over, similar to the bridge that I'm crossing over right now with my book. And it's really given me the faith and the courage to not know everything. You know, this is the, the back to the yes first. One of the chapters is on befriending uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So the question is, too, when we don't know, just like right now, we are in uncertain times. Everything yeah. is uncertain. So how do we navigate that? Who do we need to be in order to excel right now and in the certainty? And like you said, we, we have um, rituals that we use. We do meditation. And I think one of the most important things that we can do is to keep ourselves in alignment and really understand what that means to be in alignment. So these are some of the formulas of my success. And one of the things that I do in my mastermind groups and with my clients is I help them identify their personal formulas for success. So they get very clear. And so that's one of my magic powers is when I hear somebody describing their personal formula, I say, that's it, that's it, that's it. And it's funny because my clients have a tendency to just run through. They run, they, they, you know, as a society, when we have wins, we go, yay, that was a win. And then we go on to the next thing. (laughs) Yay, that was really good. It was awesome. And then we go on to the next thing. And so a lot of my very successful clients are just like marathoning through, grinding through these wins that they have on a daily basis. And so part of my job is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. what did you say you just did? And they're like, I just did this. And I'm like, wow, but you know, how did that happen? And then they say, well, you know, and then they describe it, but they're not even realizing the skills and abilities that they have, they're not realizing what it is that's getting them from here to there. And so part of this book also, you know, one of the chapters again is summoning greater love. We need different love than we've had before. It's my belief right now in this time. And so how do we learn to love ourselves like we never have before? And then, because everything, you know, all of our relationships are how, you know, we have a relationship with ourselves. Right. Right. That's, that's really all there is. We relate to other people. We have communication, we build relationships, but it's all based on how we're feeling about ourselves. And so I've been also on a path of vulnerability for the last several years in just learning to take my mask off, even in public and just say, you know what, I don't have all this figured out. I'm not sure how this is going to go and allowing myself to be seen. And so I talked earlier about learning to receive in a new way. And that's my vulnerability now has allowed me to begin to receive in ways I have not been able to imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, receiving is such an important part. Um, When I interviewed, um, I interviewed 13 women for my um to add to my expertise in the book in my book uh, words women and wisdom the modern art of confident conversations and one of them was marcy shymoff so she was sharing from her book um happy for no reason which is you know she gave permission to quote some of her um comments in the book mm. and that is part of you know her research for her book 
is you know when we learn to receive and we're not rushing through you know when someone gives you a compliment we're not rushing through or brushing it off oh no this old thing you know is to actually learn how to gratefully receive and and that was one of the things that you know in her own research you know she had at that time been really successful she had been up on stage she just authored she was speaking in Michigan and she had just um, autographed uh, 5,431 books <laughs> I believe is the number and gone up to her room afterwards a little bit tired obviously from the big event flaked down on her bed exhausted and burst into tears I mean you would think that a woman like, who was at that level in her career of accomplishment had a great husband, great home, all the things that she had on her to do, you know, on her wish list, check, 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 was still unhappy. Why? Well, that was the essence of the research she needed to put her book together, happy for no reason. So um, wow. you know, there's so many interesting stories that we can draw on, some of which are our own and some are other well-known authors and transformational global leaders who've gone before. Um, you mentioned Marianne Williamson. I was in, you know, Jack Canfield's um, world for a while. Um, T. Harv Eker, I took quite a lot of his, you know, warrior camp uh, trainings. Uh, Jane Warlow, um, and now working with Susie, Susie Carter. So all of these experts and transformational leaders yes. are always focusing on you know, the opportunity, the possibility, staying open to it, and the concept of failing forward. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're trying new things every day, whether COVID is around or not. I think many entrepreneurs were primed and ready for something like COVID to happen, because we deal with uncertainty all the time. We're constantly shifting and changing and expanding based on what's working, what's not, what's the next idea, what's working, what's not. And the bigger we play, the bigger we can bring um, along that energy for our yes. clients. So, you know, me no. too. I have some amazing clients I'm working with this year and happy to watch them expand and grow through. Um, I have a, a Flourish program. So it's about visualizing, monetizing, and then optimizing. It's three steps to help yeah. them to expand. And sometimes we have to deconstruct it because it's not working. And they come to me and they've got all these sort of dots. Like um, when we join the dots as kids, we've got the the book, coloring book. And what I help them do is join the lines between one and two and two and three to make the picture that they can't quite grasp how they're going to get there because most of their pages have no numbers on them. And that's my superpowers (laughs) is help join the dots. So it actually works. I love that. And then we go forward. So, so many similarities similarities here yes i was just going to say also i was talking to sparky yesterday again about uh the i used to tell a story i help my clients put together the pieces of their puzzle which is similar to connecting Mm. the dots you know you've got a piece over here a piece over here a piece over here and piece and then i'll say well this one goes here and they go how did you do that and i'm like this is part of my superpower (laughs) and i say this one goes over here and where did you get that from you told me so (laughs) i'm just very good at keeping that but the thing is is that uh in the past i used to tell a story about what's the first thing you do when you put together a puzzle oh, I have that same question right and you do the outside of the box and so uh, the answer is that the right answer in the past was you put together uh you look at the picture on the front of the box 
mm-hmm. to see what you're creating. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to Sparky just yesterday about, I don't necessarily believe that's the answer anymore. I don't think there's a picture on the front of the box anymore. And well, this the picture, is not, the picture's being downloaded. It's being downloaded in, in real time. Yeah. In flow. And that's also one of my chapters too, is, is identifying our flow triggers. But I, I just had this epiphany yesterday and it was like, there is no picture on the front of the box anymore. We yeah. are creating in real time. And um, that was a powerful aha for me uh, because it just shows how times are changing and how we've changed. Yeah. And so uh, again, it takes a certain amount of courage Part of yes first two is not being able to taking the first step when you can't see the whole staircase right mm-hmm. or jumping before you know that there's a net yep and that has to do with trust yep and the trust is uh, something else that's changed is the trust that we're seeking is actually inside of us it is and so it's not it's no longer you know everybody's still you know grasping but covid has has said you know what we're going to go inside, we're going to stop all the things that you took for granted before, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Right. And so trust is when we are in alignment with ourselves, and we're connected to ourselves, and we have a relationship with ourselves. And again, this is the first and foremost thing that has to happen. Yep. I think COVID has, has been sort of like the great leveler, right? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, so many people were measuring their their day by how much they're earning and when life got tips up tipped upside down it really put the emphasis back on you know what's really important in life and what happens when something gets you know feels like the the rug's being pulled out from under you yes. you know how resilient are you and how quickly are you going to bounce back how are you going to adapt how are you going to step into a new flow quickly and as I mentioned earlier, I think as entrepreneurs, we were kind of ahead of the game in that because we don't look at it as life has done something to us, but you know what's opening up for us and what's the opportunity that this brings. I mean, I've been working uh, from home, working with clients, you know, all over the place, different parts of the world for many, many years. So hopping on Zoom was new for a lot of people. Nope, nope been there, done that. <laughs> right um using using zoom rooms using the technology to get the message out yeah that wasn't new but we're all playing at different levels and there's always room to expand and grow if we're willing to you know fail forwards and and step in and say look i don't know how i'm doing this either but i think that that willingness to add the vulnerability piece is a gift I mean, a lot of times when I'm on, you know, mastermind calls, I'm the one in tears <laughs> and I, and I always get a comment afterwards, you know, thank you for showing up in your vulnerability. It was like, well, I couldn't help it. <laughs> the tears just came because it's just emotion that's flowing, right? It's energy in motion. And mm-hmm. if you're static, then that's where you get like a pond that is stagnant and cloudy and stinky water because it's not moving it's not in flow it's not uh, got that energy behind it so I love hearing these stories where there's a starting point and then there's a middle point and there's massive expansion and there's growth and there's an impact so you talked about befriending uncertainty we talked about um, 
you know, the, the compulsion for writing the book. Um, you mentioned about a formula. So let's touch on, you know, is, this the, is there a formula for getting what you want? What are your beliefs around that? So, again, in regards to getting what you want, uh, we've been taught as a society, my background's in sociology. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and I've always understood, um, you know, initially I went into psychology and psychology was problem focused. And I couldn't stand that. And I'm solution focused. And so that (laughs) drove me towards sociology. Um, But it's that uh, when something is, uh, instead of that things are happening to us, you know, like when something happens and it happens to us, um, we can shift our perception into what's trying to happen. Mm -hmm. What is coming through? And yep. again, that takes presence because we have to be able to be in the moment. And like you said, we have to be able to observe that something else is trying to happen. So right. in our society, we've been taught to complain. I was taught to complain. Um, I was very good at being able to get what I want through the art of complaining about something. This is what I learned from my parents. Was, you know, my parents are from New York and, you know, just... I think also as a society, we're taught to look at what's wrong and then we complain about it and we're upset about it. Like, you know, if I asked you, when was the last time you had a a horrible day, you could not only identify the day, but you knew who was with you and what you were wearing and, and you could tell me incrementally. Mm -hmm. But if I ask you what was right or what was happening right, you would kind of go, "Mm." I, you know, it would be difficult. We, we have difficulty recalling what's going right. That sounds so, like my weekend. Yes, the hospital, the day before a birthday party. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so so I, can sorry. De- I can describe it. <laughs> you can't see in detail. Yeah. Yeah, so in detail with, for both. You, we get what we ask for. And when we really understand that particular statement, we get what we ask for. My dear friend says, behind every complaint, there is a request. And so what is the request? Mm -hmm. And so asking for what you want is when you have a complaint or you have something that's not working, then you pause and you ask yourself, well, what do I want? What would I like to see happen here? And then you describe it. You can journal about it. You can ask for it. It's this concept, you know, again, I, my rock star friend said to me, you know, Stephanie, I love, you're all about the big ask. You just go for it because you get what you ask for. Yep. And so again, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing? They say no. They say no. So you're exactly the same place as you were before you asked. Exactly. Right. Or there's a 50% chance that you'll get it. Uh, and if you use some of the content in my book, it's more than a 50%. Chance. And I was just going to say, it's more like, uh, like 90. Yeah. So I, that's been, again, the story of my life and why I wrote this chapter. And because I have been a person who's been courageous and asking for what I want. And I don't know, 90% of the time I get it. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, it is about formulating the request. Um, yeah. and keeping ourselves out of the complaint. And I had a, a, a former, the owner of the company that I did um, motivational work, coaching work for years ago, 
um, if somebody had a complaint, if one of the staff had a complaint, he'd say, happy to help you, but please come with three solutions. So when you yeah. come to complain, come with three solutions. And um, I, that was a big learning experience for me. Yeah. It was really great. Well, so, it's also in, you know, in the corporate arena, right? I had a team of 13 at one point. Um, same thing, you know, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Yes. Um, and, you know, my first question is, hmm, well, what have you tried so far? Right. And so if they hadn't tried anything, that was an indicator to me that I was being a bottleneck because they were not trusting themselves to come up with a creative few solutions. They were wanting to come for, you know, to me for approval on something first. Right. So I was creating bottleneck in my in my staff. So by reversing it and asking them, you know, what are you willing to take on? What are you willing to try? What yeah. have you tried so far? What do you think would be the best solution? What are a couple more ideas if they really were doing something that was like way out of alignment with the values of the organization? So we know from coaching, we're both professional coaches, that you know, when someone comes up with their own solution, their own idea, they're more inclined to act on it and take um take the learning from it because it was their idea right they're getting the oxytocin hit Mm -hmm. um but also i loved what you shared a minute ago about the negative i have a similar concept when i talked with michael lossier we had coffee and um shared a little bit from his law of attraction book and he has a concept called clarity through contrast similar idea you have a capital t on the page above the line you write the issue that you're dealing with On the left side, you write what the issue is, what you're, in essence, complaining about that's not working. And then it becomes so much easier because you start, you know, we don't always know what we want, but we know what we don't want. So we start with what we don't want, and then we flip it like a kid playing opposites. Well, if you don't want to be micromanaged, what do you want? Well, I want to have independence and I want to have freedom to make my own decisions, my own choices, whatever it might be. But it's so much easier when you've got that clarity through the contrast. That's what's called clarity through contrast, his concept. Um, and I thought that was worth sharing in the book because it's super powerful. I've used it a ton of times with my clients as well with, uh, with his permission. So it works. Lots of good things. So I know that we have a free gift for the listeners so listeners get your pen ready so um you put uh, together something which is a, a link in your be carefree community just talk a little bit about what it is and where to get it so this is a this is an assessment it's a gift it's an assessment for are you ready to live conscious and carefree mm-hmm. conscious and carefree is a lifestyle it's a way of life and it's built on four pillars mindset well-being, connection, and up-leveling, which I have identified are some of the most important in life. Mm-hmm. That everything else falls into place once you're in alignment with these categories. Right. So this is a quiz that one can take to see if they're ready to live this type of life. And okay. so it's just be carefree, the letter B, the word carefree.com and forward slash I am ready. Okay. That's so the be, be the letter B carefree.com slash I am ready. Beautiful. I love it. And yes, so today also 
my book is free on Kindle. Woo-hoo. So I'm going to give that away to all your listeners. And I would love if you would download the book. And I think you have the link as well, right? That you can post. I do. So this is through Amazon. So um, you've got, you go to Amazon or HTTPS uh, backslash backslash Amazon. So A-M-Z-N dot T like Tom O slash three capital J capital J small T like Tom two zero capital T and I'll put that in the show notes as well um, so there is lots of opportunity to find out more about Stephanie's book and if they searched on um, Stephanie S-T-E-A sorry S-T-E-F like Fred uh-huh. A-N-I-E Dumont uh-huh. D-U-M-O-N-T and do a search on Amazon you'll see the book yes yes first taking action in uncertain times Stephanie Dumont yes I'm so excited beginning if you're curious as you've been listening to the show you know we've shared some deep concepts concepts gathered over well Stephanie's I'm not sure exactly how many years my 30 years in business (laughs) at least 20 by the sound of it. So you've got over 50 years of wisdom being shared in this show. You can also go to my website, um, HTTPS, YvonneSilva.com to learn more about the book. I mentioned Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations and how to pick that up. It's available through Amazon, excuse me, as an ebook. A physical book and also on audiobook through all sound and there's some special gifts being offered you can connect with me on linkedin uh, yvonne el silver and also through facebook twitter and a little bit on instagram so feel free to connect stay connected with myself stay connected with stephanie because we want to hear what happens when the book launches i have a uh, Uh, a good feeling that it's going to hit bestseller, maybe even international bestseller overnight, as my book did. And I'm happy and thrilled to be supporting you on this very special day as this book launches. Yes, first, taking action in uncertain times. Sounds like an amazing read. I'm excited for you. Thank you, Yvonne. What a pleasure to be here today. I'm so special on this most important day. I, again, this is a new trajectory that I'm just thrilled to embark upon. Yeah, well, I think when we're working at this elevated level of consciousness, of awareness, of um, helping others and making an impact and making a difference, this is where we hang out right? We hang out with people who are on the same trajectory as ourselves. So tune in again to the Words at Women and Wisdom radio show coming up in a couple of weeks. It's also um, always airing at noon mountain time. Stay in touch with Stephanie, learn more about her and her work, stay in touch with me, and I am wishing you all a beautiful day. Have an amazing day today and don't forget to pick up your copy of Stephanie's free gift and a copy of her new book and also the fact that it's on Kindle for free right now and then also pick up a copy for Mother's Day for yourself or for a friend or a group of friends or for your book club of Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you. Bye for now, everyone. Bye.